following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny Wednesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. We are halfway through the week, so congratulations on that. Uh, Just a couple of more days before the weekend, but hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. We have so much to talk about here on the show today. Uh, Lots of stuff with Auburn football practice. We've got uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He'll be joining us here in hour number one at 2.30 to talk everything Georgia uh, Georgia Bulldogs football, talk about their fall practice and what's going on over in Athens right now. And then, of course, so much more in hour number two. So a busy, busy show on the uh, uh, for today. So if you want to call in, be involved, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That is the number to put you through to me. 334-321-1390. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind in the sports world, Anything that you want to talk about, you have a comment, question, concern, anything on your mind and related to sports, give me a call. I would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We are 24 days away from Auburn football kicking off the season. That's right. The countdown to kickoff continues here on the show. We are 24 days away from September 3rd. We get closer and closer. Uh, It's going by fast, folks. We're just a little over three weeks away from uh, from the season starting. And so this Saturday will be the three-week mark when Auburn will start off the season with Mercer. Saturday is also the first scrimmage for Auburn. And we know what Auburn does in these scrimmages historically, and we know that over the years through these scrimmages, we learn a lot. And we learn a lot about... Uh, the position groups, we learn a lot about the position battles, right? I think a lot of the things you're going to see this Saturday in the scrimmage is uh, maybe some people separate themselves. I think maybe you're going to see uh, Brian Harson and this coaching staff uh, really maybe start setting the lineups a little bit and start setting uh, the starting spots a little bit more. Uh, but we do have a couple of more days before we get there. We're going to talk about the... Uh, the scrimmage going on on Saturday a little bit today and and more tomorrow and on Friday. But 
Uh, today, you had another day of practice for Auburn. They went this morning, and uh, some different sort of groups were on the field at, at a time. They were doing some walkthrough uh, drills this morning. Uh, you saw the combinations of Robbie Ashford, uh, Tank Bigsby, um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. at the wide receiver position, Brahms at the center position. So that's kind of interesting looking at that. And then the other group, Calzada and Hunter, that was a group that went. Uh, you have Camden Brown, who continues at the wide receiver position to get big-time praise. Uh, of course, Traverius Johnson, he has gotten a ton of praise as well at the wide receiver position. So that's sort of what we saw today. A lot more Uh, A lot more uh, really hard work on the quarterbacks and a lot more work with the wide receivers as well. And we talked yesterday about how the reports were uh, of drops from the wide receivers, but yet yesterday, uh, Brian Hartson and the coaching staff they picked the wide receiver group as the position of the day, as the group of the day. And uh, Hartson had good things to say about the wide receivers. And Ike Hilliard, the wide receivers coach, he had good things to say about the receivers. But again, I I do think there is still a lot to work on. And you kind of hear mixed emotions and mixed thoughts and opinions about this wide receiver group right now. And of course, we know that's the position we're all worried about. That and offensive line, but on the offensive line, it's not an experience thing. It's just can they put it together and actually get it done this year? They should, but we're going to find out. They are still working through uh, some rotations on the offensive line as well. And, and you know, that's what these practices are for. You're not going to put just your best of the best that you think right now and just let them run and nobody else get a chance to do anything right that's what these practices are for is to get everybody equal reps whether it's the quarterbacks the wide receivers the linebackers the whatever it may be everybody's sort of getting similar reps that have a chance to be in that starting position and then over the next couple of weeks and through the next couple of scrimmages then you see who starts to separate themselves and then you'll see maybe some people uh, at certain positions getting more reps than others right we know guys like uh, Brahms at the center position he's going to be your starting center so you don't have to worry about that too much you will see him get more and more reps as practice goes on Uh, and, and there's other guys as well on both sides of the football but through these practices that's what you see is everybody getting equal reps because at that point if everybody's getting equal reps everybody has the same opportunity to shine or everybody has the same opportunity to maybe not shine right that's how you figure out who's going to start and who's going to back up and who's not going to play and so today again it was sort of like that lots of work with the quarterbacks lots of work with the wide receivers uh Uh, Again, the wide receiver room is something that we have been talking about and will continue to talk about until, uh, I mean, until 24 days, until the games get started. And then even after that, the highlight and the spotlight, if you will, is going to be on that group, right? It's going to be on the quarterback position, but I think we know who that guy is going to be. And we want that guy to be good and play well. But we know that there's an issue in the wide receiver room. We just know that. That's something we have talked about so much since last year. Even during last year, we talked about it because of the struggles that we saw. And so right now, what do you think about it? 
right? What what is your thought on the wide receiver room? That's kind of it's going to kind of be in the question of the day. We've had a lot of them surrounding this topic because it's the one on the offensive side that everybody is concerned with. That everybody wants to know will they be better this year? Who is going to be that guy? Who are going to be those guys who are threats to catch the football? And, you, and, and, and score some touchdowns, right? You can't let Tank do everything. You can't let John Samuel Shaker do everything at the tight end position, right? You want to make sure you have a quarterback who can throw him the football and get it to him on time, on target, on the numbers. But at the same time, you want to make sure your receivers are good enough to catch the football, get open, catch it, and do something afterwards. And so that's what I ask you. So far, are you confident in the guys on this roster for Auburn in the wide receiver room? I am. Okay, I am. We talked about this yesterday. I am. I'm very confident when you look at the guys that are on this team in the wide receiver room. There's some big-time names in there. Okay, there are. Between guys that were here last year, freshmen that are coming in, and even transfers coming in, there's some really good players. And they're getting the work right now in practice. And that's what you want to see. If they are dropping balls and if they are not performing to what they need to be, you'd rather that happen right now rather than happen in 24 days. Or rather that happen in the Penn State game or against LSU or, God forbid, against Missouri, right? Those are the types of things that you want to get worked out now rather than later. And so, like I talked about yesterday, in case you missed it, It's still August, what, August 10th? It's August 10th. It's okay if these guys aren't perfect right now. Now they need to get better, and they need to keep working, and we need to find out who those guys are going to be. But it's August 10th. You ain't got to be perfect right now. You you don't have to be just a first-round draft pick as a wide receiver right now. And that goes for every position, not just the receivers. I know we're giving them a lot, of, a lot of attention here, but that goes for every single position. Just keep working. Just keep getting better. Because over these next 24 days, starters are going to be announced. And starters are going to be rising up to the occasion. And those guys who want to be starters on this football team you're going to see them separate themselves a little bit, and maybe even by a lot. And that's what you want to see. That's what these practices are about. Talking about the scrimmage coming up on Saturday, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the, the the drives and the reps are divided up by the quarterbacks. Right? We know that this is basically uh, it's a three man race right now between Zach Calzada, T.J. Finley, and Robbie Ashford. Uh, we've heard some things from all three quarterbacks so far through fall practice. Uh, yesterday, it seems like T.J. Finley was the best guy in practice. Uh, today, Calzada had a couple of throws. I think he got sacked one time. Uh, he threw off his back foot on one. I saw a video of it earlier. Uh, he threw it kind of into some double coverage in, and it wasn't picked off, but it very easily could have been. Right? You see uh, there's also a couple of videos from practice today that Calzada hit a very nice throw over the middle for a 20-30 yard gain. He had, I think, at least one, maybe even a couple of those. Uh, Ashford, uh, I've heard mixed things on him so far. So overall, uh, the quarterbacks seem to be doing okay. Uh, I still think it's going to be Calzada, but maybe he hasn't made himself, or he hasn't separated himself just yet, right? Maybe he hasn't done that. Maybe TJ is 
being the best quarterback and playing the best right now in fall camp. I'm not 100% sure, and you know what? We're not going to know 100% because the media only gets a certain amount of access. You only get a limited amount of time to watch this stuff, right? They're not going to let you come in there and watch all two hours of practice. That's just not going to happen. And so you just don't truly know. But the scrimmages, you do get to know. And the scrimmages are what's really, really important because that's the, that's the best scenario and that's the best situation for us to see what this team looks like. And not just for us, that's for the coaches too, obviously. That gives them the best chance to see these guys in live action going, uh, you know, uh, number one offense, number one defense, or number one offense, number two defense, or whatever they decide to do. They'll mix it up a little bit. And again, they want to get everybody equal reps. Now, as camp goes on and as they have that second and third scrimmage, they may not get equal reps. They may be down to a couple of position battles, and some of the starters may already be named. Some of those starters may already be decided on. And you know what? That's okay. The earlier, the better. Now, as long as you're making the right decision and you're confident in that decision, I do think the earlier, the better. Maybe not here in week one or early week two like we're in right now, but like I've talked about with the quarterback battle, I don't think you want to wait until September 3rd. I think you want to make sure you're picking the right guys for the job, but let's get this stuff solidified over the next couple of weeks. And I think maybe not after this weekend's scrimmage, but maybe the second scrimmage, I think you could see that happening for a lot of positions. And I do want the quarterback position and the quarterback battle to be decided before September 3rd when Auburn opens up the season against Mercer. I want that to be done. I've talked about that and I, I stand by that where I want the quarterback position and the battle to be decided before fall practice is over. Give these guys a chance to work with their true QB1 because right now, think about how tough it is. You're running in the offense. Talk about the receivers. You're running offensive plays and offensive drills and offensive sets with three or four different quarterbacks right now, right? You, we talked yesterday about the timing and that being off in the quarterbacks and the receivers. Well, you're playing with three or four different guys throwing the football. So it's going to be off a little bit until you can practice with that main guy more and more and more. And so I get everybody getting equal reps right now, and you want to give everybody that chance to make themselves known and earn that spot But eventually, as we go on through fall practice and fall camp, some of these battles have to be, they have to be won and they need to be decided on. So that way, your quarterbacks, your receivers, your tight ends, your running backs, your offensive line, they're all on the same page on the offensive side. And same thing goes for the defense. Right? Same thing goes for the linebackers because there's a couple of spots open on that side. There's a couple of guys that can step up and fill some holes in the linebacker position. Same way for the, for the defensive line. Same way for the secondary. You want everybody to be on the same page. right? I'm a big, big-time person on getting on the same page and everybody being on the same page. That's what fall practice is for. That's what the scrimmages are for. And so that, those are some things to look for. How quickly do we start learning about guys winning their starting jobs? How, how long does it take for other positions to, to earn their starting roles, right? How long does it take for, for those positions to have official starters? And is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Maybe a good thing because that means there's good competition. Everybody may be really solid and it really is tough to find who the true starters are. Or it could be a bad thing. 
right? Maybe, maybe nobody has separated themselves. Maybe nobody has made themselves uh, known that they are the man, right? Maybe nobody's good enough to truly be that starter, and it's taking the coaches longer to find out who that is. I'm not saying either one of those is the case, but that's both ways to look at it. All I'm saying is, over these next couple of weeks, we have 24 days until the season starts, I want to start seeing some guys earn these starting spots. And after these couple of scrimmages, I think that's what we're going to see. No matter if it's the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, the linebackers, I mean, whoever it may be, right? Whatever position it is, over these next couple of weeks, I want to see the starters start getting named and getting their roles because the earlier you can do that, I think the better off you'll be. Hey, we're off and running here in hour number one on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. What do you think about everything going on right now with Auburn? How are you feeling about this season? We're 24 days away. Tell me you're excited. Tell me you're nervous. What are you thinking right now about Auburn football? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you were around, I believe, man, was that last Friday? That seems like it was longer ago than that. But when Jack Hutton, our good buddy Jack Hutton, voice of the Auburn High basketball and softball Tigers, when he uh, came into the studio, we drafted our 2022 Auburn football roster. And of course, we went through and we drafted uh, we drafted a quarterback, we did a running back, a couple of receivers, tight end, uh, a couple of just about a couple at every single position. And if you remember, Uh, We picked, of course, when we started talking about the wide receivers, we had some differences in what we what we would have done if we were drafting right and we did draft our teams and we picked a couple of different guys uh, up and down the roster. But looking at the wide receiver position. There were some guys that really stood out. And so question of the day to you is this, because we are giving a lot of uh, of love right to the wide receivers and a lot of attention to them about what we expect to see from them this upcoming season, what we expect to see from them here in fall practice, and then ultimately what we expect to see from them in 24 days on the field, right? So let me ask you this. Question of the day. We all know that the wide receiver room and the wide receiver position needs to be better for Auburn this year, but who is that one guy that you think will be the go-to guy in the wide receiver room? Who is going to be the go-to wide receiver for Auburn this upcoming season? That's the question of the day. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in. Be on the line. 334-321-1390. Who do you think will be the go-to wide receiver this year for Auburn? Or better yet, who do you think should be the go-to wide receiver this year for Auburn? Because... Look, no matter how good or, or how bad your wide receivers are, you've got to have that go-to guy. You've got to have that guy that you can throw the football to when you're in a desperate situation, when you're in a goal line and you've got to throw a fade to the corner, or when you're in a third and long and you need somebody to get open. You need that guy on your team. We've seen it over the years for Auburn. 
right? A Seth Williams type of guy. You need that type of, of receiver on your team to be the go-to guy. We're talking a lot about the receivers, and so this year when you look at up and down the roster for Auburn, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the one that when you think about the wide receiver room for Auburn, you say, oh yeah, bam, and you think of that name right there? Or who's going to be that guy that has to be double covered by the defense on Saturdays because he's just that good? Who do you think that's going to be and why? 334-321-1390, that's the question of the day. Look, I've talked about this a lot. When you look at the names in this room for Auburn, there's some big, big names. And there's a lot of talent in here. Coy Moore, Tarveris Dawson Jr., Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson, DeZalem Worsham, Shedrick Jackson, Landon King, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Camden Brown, Omari Kelly. Like, there's some big names. Xavion Capers. Like, there are some really, really good guys in this room. But who's going to be that go-to? right who's going to be the alpha in that wide receiver room again the guy that has to get doubled by the defense because he's just that good we see other schools have those guys Auburn has had them in the past but I think Auburn needs one this year and they need one in a big big way to help that room revolve around somebody and get better around somebody and when you have that guy who's that dominant I think it can take some of the pressure off of the other guys right it can take some pressure off of the other receivers that are in the room and on the field because if that one guy is on the field that's who the defense is going to focus on that's who the defense all week long is going to be preparing for and ultimately that takes some of the pressure off of everybody else so Auburn needs that guy but in your opinion who's that who's that going to be Who's that going to be and why? That's my question to you. And look, when I look at this roster and, I, and I'm trying to find that guy and who that's going to be, I mean, you could pick three or four different ones and make a legitimate case for. I think Coy Moore could definitely be that guy. 6'1", 192 pounds, maybe not the absolute tallest, but I think he has a lot of athleticism and has shown some, some really good signs early on in fall practice. Some of the guys that have gotten big-time praise from the coaches so far, Tarveris Dawson Jr., the redshirt freshman at 5'10", 161 pounds. Again, he's not the tallest by any means, but he's gotten a lot of praise so far throughout fall camp. Another guy, Landon King, the sophomore, 6'5", 220 pounds. That's a big man, right? That's a big-time man playing wide receiver. Can he be that guy that goes up and gets it? The 50-50 guy, right? You throw the ball up, and he jumps up, and you hope he grabs it. Could he be the go-to guy? Another one that's gotten a ton of praise so far through fall camp, Camden Brown, 6'3", 202 pounds, out of Monroe, Louisiana. That's a man. Now, he's a freshman, and he's young, But again, you talk about these guys that early on in fall practice have gotten the love from the coaching staff. And again, there's mixed feelings coming out of it right now, but these guys are getting name dropped by their coaches. These are guys that are being brought up in press conferences and being brought up to the media of guys that the coaches are impressed by with Brian Harson and Ike Hilliard, the wide receivers coach. Camden Brown, okay, I think he can be one of those guys. I think Shedrick Jackson, the senior, can you revolve around your senior from Hoover, who's 6'2", 202 pounds? I think he could be the go-to guy this year, and maybe not even all year long, but maybe early on this year, you, were, you go to the senior in Shredder Jackson, and you say, look, we need a guy to step up in this room. 
We need a guy to fall back on. We need a guy that we can go to in times of need early on this season. And of course, with Auburn's first couple of games, you hope that you're not in the position where you're in a third and long and you've got to get a first down to keep the drive going to save the game, right? We do not need another Georgia State from last year. We're not looking for that by any means. But what you do want is a wide receiver that you can say, we need you to step up and be a leader in this room until maybe some of the other guys develop a little bit more. And maybe that's what it takes. Maybe that's what it takes is the season to get started for these guys to develop even more. You've got to have the go-to guy. You've got to have the leader. You've got to have that serious threat when he's on the field. Who's that going to be for Auburn? I think you could pick four or five guys. I really do. And ultimately, we're going to find out exactly who that is in about 24 days. 30 minutes into hour number one. Stay tuned. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 coming up. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goertz with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, welcoming in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Jordan, it's a busy time of the year as fall practice has begun around the SEC. I know Georgia has begun as well with everything going on. What are some of the takeaways so far from Georgia during fall practice? We know so far, I mean, there are five, six practices in the fall camp, and it's really just been more of, you know, assuring us what we saw in the spring. I mean, some of the things we've gotten to see, obviously, Stetson Bennett is the quarterback, uh, but even seeing some of the uh, the alignments in the defensive backfield, I mean, seeing Kamari Laster running with the one, seeing uh, Dan Jackson, a guy that's been a really good story for Georgia going back to last season, again, running with the ones at safety. Uh, really the, the biggest difference or maybe the biggest change we've seen is some of the offensive al- uh, line alignment. They, they've really been running with the same five guys uh, through fall camp, through the three practices we've been able to see. And uh, the two surprises have been at left guard, Devin Willick, a guy who played right guard at G-Day. Uh, in the spring game, and then uh, seeing Tate Ratledge, a guy that got hurt on the third offensive snap for Georgia last season in that opener against Clemson. He's back, apparently looks uh, full go coming off a Liz Frank uh, foot injury. Uh, He's been at uh, right guard, and that's uh, the position that, you know, he really earned uh, this time last year at fall camp, really won that job. Those are the two guys at the offensive line that have Kind of been uh, the surprises, along with the other three uh, linemen that we thought would have those starting jobs. Other than that, it's kind of been par for the course, sort of what we've expected through the early part of camp. And Jordan, you know, you talk about Stetson Bennett. Of course, he is the quarterback right now coming off the national championship. Is there anybody else that's getting legitimate reps right now and, and threatening that starting position, or is it just Stetson Bennett? It's just going to be Stetson. I mean, what we've seen so far, he's been getting those first-team reps, and that's something that's of no surprise. You know, Kirby Smart pretty much came out and said right at the end of uh, the G-Day game that Stetson's the quarterback. And, and that's not to say the other quarterbacks haven't made games. You know, I actually wrote about from the practice viewing we had uh, on Tuesday 
Uh, had some really good throws from Carson Beck, who right now really looks like he's going to be the backup quarterback. Had a nice shot down the left side of the field on a about a 30-yard pass to Arian Smith. Uh, they've got talent uh, you know, behind him in the depth chart, but Stetson's looked good. He's looked sharp at practice so far. I haven't seen anything that would really you know, signal to me that there's any kind of competition or there's the threat uh, that come September 3rd, uh, Stetson Bennett would not be the starter for Georgia. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Docs 247 here on On the Line. Jordan, let me ask you this question because obviously you were in Auburn for a good amount of time and now you're uh, with Georgia with Docs 247. During fall practice and fall camp, do you think it's a better, um, I, I guess, a better mojo, a better attitude with a starter who is a known starter in camp or maybe in an Auburn position where there's a quarterback battle? Well, I think, uh, honestly, that it's better from the standpoint of that's one less question to answer. I mean, you know, the thing that really struck me talking to Stetson going back uh, to spring practice was, you know, he talked about he knew he had first-team reps he could count on. You know, he knew uh, that he wasn't having to split reps. And I think that's the biggest advantage uh, as far as it goes between having a competition, not having a competition. You know, there's a lot of competitions any year within fall camp just from, you know, a natural standpoint of losing talent, losing guys to the NFL. You need guys to step up. And uh, we know how much attention is paid to the quarterbacks. If you don't have that as a big question to answer, I, I think it's less headache. It's a lot less questions that have to be asked, especially by the media, uh, because, you know, we always want to know about the quarterback situation. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that you go into camp with a competition, uh, but it's definitely one big uh, question that Georgia does not have to answer, does not really have to scrutinize over what these practices look like. They feel really comfortable with Stetson Bennett, and they're ready to roll with him. Jordan, as you've been watching fall camp, fall practice over the last however many, four, five, six, whatever it may be, is there a position group or two that have stood out to you that maybe you were worried about coming into camp and maybe the vice versa of a position that you thought was going to be more, uh, you know, more upfront and talented at this point but maybe hasn't lived up to it so far? You know, not necessarily. I mean, I think there's a few positions I still kind of have questions with. Probably running back and inside linebacker, which is sort of what we expected going in. I mean, we knew that with the running backs, they lost their two leading rushers from last year and Zamir White and James Cook. Uh, they need guys like Kendall Milton and Kenny, Kenny McIntosh to stand up. Uh, you know, I think what I'm really intrigued with as far as the running backs is they'll have their first scrimmage on Saturday, and just hearing what Kirby Smart has to report back. Obviously, we're not going to get a chance to watch him, but uh, I'm sure that he's going to have some feedback on what he sees, and uh, they need guys to step up. They don't lack for depth with those two running backs back and also two freshmen who just what little I've gotten to watch them in practice I think seem very promising, Branson Robinson and Andrew Paul. Uh, but, you know, once uh, they just got the pads on full pads first time uh, yesterday, and uh, obviously that scrimmage is going to be a big test for these guys. So I'm um, interested to hear about that and then just inside linebacker, which obviously they lost three guys that got drafted in the first three rounds of the draft. They need guys to step up. We've heard a little bit about several different guys, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Tresman Marshall, Smile Munden. Um, but I want to kind of see how they handle again this scrimmage and uh, if anybody out of that pack sort of steps up and uh, is able to, to fill some big shoes with guys like N'Kobe Dean and Shannon Tindall and Quay Walker no longer there. 
We're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on On the Line. I'm glad you brought up the scrimmage because I was going to ask you about it. I, I was assuming it was this coming Saturday, but I was going to double check. And the media is not going to have access to that. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. We'll get a chance to talk to Kirby afterwards, but we're not going to be able to, uh, an opportunity to really watch the story. Right, right. And so let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you're expecting to hear from after the scrimmage since you can't go and watch it? What are you expecting to hear from Kirby Smart afterwards? I think the big keys to me, again, the running backs, just want to see how they operate, how if they're considered a passing, uh, you know, if they – uh, show that they can catch the ball in the backfield because that's been something specifically with Kenny McIntosh has been talked about uh, as a big attribute that he has, that he is the ability to be a guy they can hit out of the backfield, which is what they did with James Cook quite a bit last season. Uh, and then probably for me is who kind of stands out uh, at opposite cornerback, uh, Keeley Ringo. You knew that Keeley's coming back. Obviously, he had that big play in the national championship game. From everything we've seen so far, it looks like Kamari Lassiter is going to be playing the cornerback position opposite him. Kind of got big shoes to fill with Darion Kendrick now in the NFL. Uh, obviously, he only spent one year at Georgia, but played really well, and he's actually gotten a lot of praise uh, in his first year with the Rams uh, going through fall camp uh, and mini camp there in L.A. Uh, but I want to see if Kamari is looked at as a guy, if he's able to kind of withstand uh, the pressure that comes with that. He got some praise on the sidelines yesterday in the viewing period we had. Uh, but we've been told, you know, that it's pretty a uh, pretty open competition for that job. I want to hear how he does in coverage because, obviously, a lot of teams are not going to want to throw toward number five on Georgia's defense. So whoever wins that job is going to get tested pretty regularly when it comes to the season. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Docs 247 here on On the Line. Jordan, earlier this week, the preseason top 25 coaches poll was released. Of course, it's the coaches around college football voting on uh, the top 25. They uh, place their first place votes, and then they get points based off of all of that. It came out as Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Clemson 4, and Notre Dame 5. Are you surprised that the coaches around college football put the dogs at 3 coming off a national championship? No, I don't think so. I think, truthfully, that's about where Georgia should be, given the talent they've lost, but also on the back end, given the amount of talent still on the roster. I was kind of struck earlier this uh, week talking to Zion Lowe, who's looked at is probably going to be that nose tackle that's got the uh, big challenge of filling the shoes of Jordan Davis. Uh, but he talked about, you know, we this defense can be good. You know, obviously they're hoping to be as good as they were last year. But he said it's because of the way we recruit, because of the amount of talent they have year in and year out, but also the work ethic of these guys. I think a lot of people recognize what Kirby Smart has built at Georgia and also the kind of players he's going to bring in. You know, I, I understand um, that there's going to be at least some growing pains early on given how much talent they've lost on both sides of the ball, losing 14 starters off a national championship team. Uh, but this team is by no means devo- devoid of talent. Uh, they have a chance to compete. I still think that, again, like the coaches voted, uh, that they're probably a little bit behind Alabama. Right now I would say Alabama will win the SEC and beat Georgia to do it. Uh, But I think they're right there, and I think they have a legitimate shot at uh, going undefeated during the regular season. And even if they come up short against Alabama, they'll very uh, likely be in the competition, be in the conversation to make the playoffs. And Jordan, of course, you start out with Oregon week one, who was voted 12th in that coaches poll. How big is it to have that big of a matchup week one? I think it's huge, and really the time, and I think more than anything, is helpful for Georgia in the fact that this is going to be Dan Lanning's first game. You know, this is going to be 
Kenny Dillingham's first game back coaching Bo Nix, a guy we both know pretty well from his time in Auburn. Uh, you know, I think that it works in the fact that this is by far Georgia's best uh, non-conference game. It's going to be the most competitive game they have. Uh, you know, most of their other non-conference games are Stanford, Kent State, and then Georgia Tech at the end of the year. Uh, this is going to be a very nice uh, chance to start the season off. You kind of have a home game. The fact that it's in Atlanta and Oregon's going to have to come all the way uh, out there to play it. Um, I think it situates uh, very nicely for Georgia. They're just, to me, uh, they're going to have to handle that Oregon defense, I think, really sticks out to me as the most challenging. I think that Oregon defense is going to be really good with guys like Noah Sewell uh, getting to play for Dan Lanning, a guy who obviously knows defense well. Uh, but if, if you could put that game anywhere on Georgia's schedule, I think that uh, they're in great position. The fact that it will be their first game, and again, will be Dan Lanning's first at Oregon. We're speaking with Jordan Hill of Docs 247 here on On the Line. A conversation I've been having this week, and I'd love to get your take on this. When you're looking across some of the different SEC schedules, of course, Auburn starts with two weaker opponents before welcoming Penn State. Alabama has a weaker opponent, and then they have Texas Week 2. You have Georgia, who starts out with Oregon Week 1. Do you think, in your opinion, does it benefit a team to start out with slower, or I guess start out slower with some weaker opponents and then playing bigger games, or doing what Georgia is right now and starting out week one with a big-time opponent? Honestly, I, I hate to kind of cop it out, but I, I feel like it just sort of depends on your roster. I mean, you look at a situation like Auburn, the fact they've lost so much talent, I think it is a good thing uh, that they're going to have games that can kind of work their way up, especially the fact they have so many home games in a row. I do think that's very beneficial. On the other side with Georgia coming off a national championship, I think there is advantage in the fact that you're going to be playing uh, a lot of talented teams are at least a very talented team first, and uh, there's there's kind of not uh, that room for error. You know, these guys are going to be stepping up, especially on this defense. Guys are going to have to play bigger roles. Uh, they're not going to have a chance to just kind of ease their way through it, and I think that is a, that's, that is a good thing. So I can see it both ways. I think typically for me, uh, you know, even if you look at it from a fan perspective, I think I would rather my team play – a very talented team early. You can kind of get a feel, a barometer of where they're going to be this year. And even if they wind up losing, we know that, you know, that's not necessarily a, you know, be all end all, especially if you're an SEC team. You can always stand a loss out of conference, uh, but that just means you got to play really well once the conference schedule gets here to have a shot if you think you can uh, really compete for the playoffs. Well, Jordan, I agree. I think, too, when you when you play that big-time opponent week one, you have the entire offseason to look forward to that game. And as we're 24 days away from kickoff, Georgia fans are going to be a lot more excited about playing Oregon in the next 24 days than Auburn is playing Mercer. I would rather play that big-time opponent, but, of course, these schedules are made so far in advance, and you just never truly know. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on On the Line. Man, thank you so much for your time yet again. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing. Absolutely, dog247.com. You can check me out on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill or also at dog247. A lot of content. We're right in the thick of fall camp, but I know before we know it, we'll be to September 3rd, that season opener. So excited for it. Got a lot of stories coming up, a lot of videos, a lot of podcasts. Uh, exciting time, just getting ready for September. Yeah, well, we are 24 days away, man. We're all looking forward to it. I'll talk to you next week, all right? Sounds great, Jacob. 
That was Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Always good talking to him about everything going on with the Georgia Bulldogs over in Athens. He does great work with Dogs 247. So uh, make sure you check that out. If you're uh, interested in 247, you can go and find all that coverage uh, with their Dogs 247. Jordan Hill does fantastic work. He knows his stuff. Always good having him on the show to give us updates about the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll have him on all season long talking about the Georgia Bulldogs and what's going on over there throughout the season. And, you know, again, they get to start the year with Oregon. How fun of a game is that? Auburn did it a couple years ago, and we were super excited about it. Uh, You know, you get pumped up. You have a big game to look forward to at the beginning of the season this year. Not that we're not excited for the season to start, but we got to wait until week three for a big-time game for Auburn. And so uh, that is a little disappointing, but at the same time, You could also lose that big game week one, so you just truly never know. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break in hour number one. We'll come back, talk some Atlanta Braves when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We just got off the phone with him talking all things Georgia Bulldogs uh, as they are in fall camp, fall practice as well. They're about five or six practices in just like everybody else. So uh, thanks to him for all the updates on Georgia. We'll have him on all season long giving you updates and keeping you up to date on the Georgia Bulldogs uh, for the football season. But as we wrap up hour number one, We'll talk the Atlanta Braves for just a minute. Of course, coming off of the uh, poor, poor performance against the New York Mets over the weekend in New York, they traveled over to Boston to take on the Red Sox in the two-game series. In game one, what a great game. It goes to 11 innings in the Braves. They win 9-11 to in Fenway Park. Uh, it was it was really a great game. Honestly, you look up and down, and uh, uh, again, the Braves win in extra innings in the 11th inning. They win 9-11. to Game 2 will be tonight. Again, it's just a short two-game series between the Braves and the Red Sox, but you look last night, the Braves have nine runs on 13 hits, no errors. The Red Sox have seven runs on 11 hits and no errors. You pull up the box score for last night. It was back and forth all night long. Braves take a one nothing lead. Red Sox score two in the second. Braves scored three in the third. Red Sox score one in the third. Red Sox score one in the fourth and the fifth. Braves score one in the sixth. Both score one in the eighth. Both score one in the tenth after going to extras. And then the Braves score two in the top of the 11th to take it home 9-7. to and, uh, you know, it, it was a good night. You know, you have somebody like uh, Acuna Jr. who has, he went three for five. He had three runs. Uh, unfortunately, you had Arcia, the second baseman for, for the Braves, come up injured. And so now the Braves, after that win tonight, you look at the roster and the Braves have called up their top uh, prospect. And look, you have to, you got to do what you got to do. When you have injuries like the Braves have, uh, you, you do what you got to do. And so the Braves have called up uh, Vaughn Grissom from AA on uh, the Mississippi team for the Braves. So he is making his debut tonight. He's their top prospect 
Uh, he, let's see, he was hitting 363 in 22 AA games. So not too bad. He's getting called up tonight for the Atlanta Braves to play second base. So excited to see what they're able to do. Maybe they can get this win against the Red Sox before they head down to Miami. They have a four-game series there before coming home and taking on the New York Mets and the Houston Astros. So, look, when you look for the Braves and you look at the just the standings overall, they're still they're still pretty far behind the Mets right now after that brutal series in New York. They're still seven games back. That's what's disappointing is you're still seven games back of the New York Mets. You're only three games ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies. You're waiting on New York to blow it up, but I just don't know if they're going to. I really thought they would. There's still time, right? There's still time for that to happen, but I think now for the Braves, obviously you're not waiting on that anymore. You are trying to just get your wins and make up some ground. When you play the Mets again, you got to make up some ground. You got to win some games, and you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I think that's one big thing for the Braves as well. They should do that over the next week or so. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Sun is shining. It's a hot one here in the Auburn Opelika area on Wednesday, August 10th. 2022 hour number one officially in the books you know what that means hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika sports leader if you missed any of hour number one be sure and go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast I'll upload that immediately following today's show so make sure you go and find that commercial free wherever you get your podcast or you can go to ESPNAU.com that's ESPNAU.com click on the podcast center and you'll find it all right there so if you missed any of the first hour or any other show of mine you can go and find the podcast at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcast. So hour number one, like I said in the books, we got a whole lot to talk about here in hour number two. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about today? 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in. Be a part of the show. Be on the line. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Also, back in hour number one, we talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, He gave us an update on fall practice for the Georgia Bulldogs. So talk to him about that. 
And uh, the coaches poll that came out a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how important it is to start with a big-time matchup for for Georgia as they play Oregon in week one. So uh, lots of good conversation with him. So again, if you missed that, be sure and go and find the podcast. But like I said, phone lines are open. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. How are you feeling right now about Auburn football? How do you feel about practice so far? How do you feel that the season is 24 days away? Can you believe it? We are getting closer and closer. Uh, The first scrimmage is on Saturday. Uh, That will be the three-week mark. Can you believe it? Saturday, we are three weeks away from Auburn starting the season. That means we're only two weeks away from college football beginning, folks. Because remember, there's a week zero game. Vanderbilt and Hawaii, they play week zero. No, it's not super exciting, the matchup, but hey, That's college football. We have NFL preseason starting. Uh, The first game was last weekend. They have another game. I believe it's tomorrow. And then they have games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, again, NFL preseason isn't super exciting, but... It is football, and I'm not going to complain about football. I hope you don't as well. We are so, so close to the season, folks. I mean, we are just right there. We can see it. We can see it. It's right there, so super excited for that. But let's start hour number two like we always do with making headlines here on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. As Auburn continues fall practice, 24 days from kickoff, like I mentioned, 24 days until September 3rd. And some of the notes that I was seeing from practice today uh, was, again, a lot of work with the quarterbacks and a lot of work with the wide receivers. And uh, it seems like everybody's getting pretty equal reps right now uh, at all positions, really. And I talked about back in the first hour how that is something that will happen over the next couple of weeks until we get into these scrimmages and people start to separate themselves in these position battles and so it seems like everybody's getting pretty equal reps uh, especially at the quarterback position between Calzada Ashford and TJ Finley and today they went through some drills and it seemed like the rosters were mixed up a little bit you saw the combinations of Ashford Tank Bigsby uh, Jackson and Dawson at receiver uh, Brandon Council and, and Brahms at the on the offensive line Nick Tro- or excuse me Troxel on the right tackle you also saw on the offensive side Calzada with uh, Jarquez Hunter uh, you saw them with Javarius Johnson, Coy Moore, Camden Brown, who, by the way, those two guys, Javarius Johnson and Camden Brown, have gotten some big-time praise from the coaches so far in this fall camp. Uh, so just some different combinations. And again, seems like a lot of one-on-one focus with these quarterbacks and these receivers with Brian Harson, of course, Ike Hilliard, the wide receivers coach. Seems like they're putting in the work with these guys, trying to get this thing figured out and get this thing worked out because not only do we know there's a big question mark there, they know it as well. I mean, let's just be honest. If we are worried about the wide receiver position, let's be honest, they probably are as well. And so it seems like they're doing everything to make sure that that is not an issue by the time the season starts in 24 days. Uh, there's some quotes about the offensive line uh, that I was reading from. I saw Justin Ferguson had posted something on Twitter a little bit ago. I was reading it during the break. And it was uh, uh, talking about the offensive line and how the first couple of days at practice, they didn't really uh, show a whole lot. But then in the last couple of days, they've really stepped it up. And it sounds like they have the ability to do it. It's just can they do it and will they do it? And so we'll see how that goes for the offensive line. We know the question marks on this team 
All we can do is hope that these things get fixed. Of course, the first scrimmage is on Saturday. We uh, historically have found out a lot of information from these scrimmages, so we'll see how the first one goes. We'll see what Brian Harson and the coaches have to say after this first uh, scrimmage on Saturday. But look, we're still 24 days out, right? You still have over three weeks until the season starts. And so you do have a little bit of time to get some of these things worked out. But at the same time, three weeks is not a whole lot. But what's good about Auburn's schedule, we've talked about this before, you start out the year with two smaller games. You start out the year with those two cupcakes. And so that is a good sign. And that's a good, it's a good thing for Auburn because now you have those two games to sort of get those kinks worked out that you maybe didn't get worked out in fall practice and in fall camp. And so use that to your advantage, but don't use it and, and let it be a – I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Don't let it hold you back because you're playing lesser competition to start the year, but use that to your advantage to try to get yourself farther and more uh, – get yourself more ready for the rest of the season. Well, let's get into some more headlines here on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022, here on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. The Miami Hurricanes released some video today of their new locker room and facilities, and I'll be honest, folks, it looked pretty good. It looked really, really nice. Uh, Miami, uh, they had some players doing some walkthroughs of their new locker rooms with the U everywhere, and you know they've got their it's basically a big recliner in their locker and they got different compartments for their shoes and for their jerseys and pads and everything like that, right? And so watching that today, it's really cool. I love watching those videos. We've seen it over the years, LSU and Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State. We've seen the big time programs do this and put that money into the locker rooms and the facilities and stuff like that. And it is really, really cool to see that. And it got me thinking about how close we are to seeing Auburn's new facilities and seeing the Tigers go into their brand new football facility that they're building over there. I'll be honest, I haven't driven by it in a couple of weeks, uh, but the last time that I did, it was looking really good. And it seemed like the outside was just about finished, maybe not quite done, uh, but of course they still had to do the inside. And so uh, probably not going to have it done in the next 24 days for them to be in there before the season starts, but Maybe by the end of the year, I think that's kind of what we're looking at, maybe like December or something like that to get to get Auburn in there. But how exciting is that going to be for the program, for the players, for the coaches, for the recruits to get to go into a brand new football facility? And I'm excited for Auburn to be able to post those videos and for the entire country to see what Auburn is doing with their facilities and the money that they're pumping in to this program right now. That's exciting, and that's what we want. We want the exposure for Auburn and for Auburn football to be out there And for people to realize and think, wow, they're actually committing to this thing. They're putting money into this. Look how nice their facilities are. That just helps everybody, and it looks really good. So Miami did it today. They looked really nice. I'm excited to see what Auburn's facilities look like in the next couple of months. Moving on and making headlines here on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. It is Wednesday, so you know what that means. It's the Wednesday MLB update here on On the Line. And looking at the standings right now in the National League and the American League, there's some, I mean, the teams at the top are just unbelievable right now, folks. I mean, they really are. The teams at the top are dominating, and then it's everybody else right now. And as you look at 
Uh, the standings will start in the American League and starting with the American League East. The New York Yankees, 71 and 40. They have a 10 and a half game lead on the Toronto Blue Jays, 12 on the Tampa Bay Rays, 12 and a half on the Orioles, and 17 on the Boston Red Sox, who have really slipped and are not playing good baseball right now you look at the american league central it's the cleveland guardians who are playing pretty decent baseball for a young team they're 57 and 52 so a big separation between somebody like the yankees and somebody like the cleveland guardians but they're also tied with the minnesota twins 57 and 52 right behind them the chicago white Sox, 56 and 54 and then the royals and tigers way behind them And then you look at the uh, American League West. It's the Houston Astros. They're tied with the Yankees for the best record in the American League at 71 and 40. And they have run away with their division. The second place team, Seattle Mariners, are uh, 60 and 52. That's 11 and a half games back. Rangers, Angels, and A's, they're not even close. You may as well just count them out. 22, 23, and 30 games back from the Houston Astros. I mean, just the Astros, again, they're quietly having a fantastic season. Nobody is giving them a whole lot of, of credit. Nobody's giving them a whole lot of, of love right now. Not that people love the Astros. Most people actually hate the Houston Astros. But they're having a great year, and nobody's really talking about it because the Yankees and other teams have taken uh, just taken the, the league by storm so far and are playing at such a high level and getting all of the, the hype because of big-time hitters like Aaron Judge for the Yankees. A team like the Houston Astros isn't getting the love. And you know what? I think they're okay with that. We look on to the National League. We'll start the Central, then the West, and then we'll wrap it up with the East of your Atlanta Braves. Looking at the National League Central, you have the St. Louis Cardinals, 60-49. and 49. They are atop of that division, but just one game back, the Milwaukee Brewers. They are 40 uh, excuse me, 59 and 51 game back. And then the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates are way, way behind at 16 games uh, behind the St. Louis Cardinals. You look at the National League West, one of the best divisions in all of baseball. Uh, what was one of the best divisions in all of baseball has, has really just been blown to pieces because of the outstanding play from the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are 76 and 33. That's best in the majors folks that is good for the best record in baseball they have five more wins than the next team of the Yankees and the Astros or excuse me have four more wins than the New York Mets I forgot the Mets won last night they have 72 wins now the Dodgers 76 and 33 they are 16 games ahead of the San Diego Padres Uh, the Padres are one in five since making the massive trade for Juan Soto, they are one and five since the trade deadline after they made that trade. Uh, so not working out so far. You have the San Francisco Giants at 22 and a half games back, the Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies 26 and 28 games back. So Dodgers, they've got the best record in baseball, and it's not even close. They're currently on a nine-game win streak. They're nine and one in the last 10 games. And again, the Dodgers are playing well. But they're not getting a ton of exposure. I think they probably will now, knowing, knowing that they are four and five games ahead of everybody else in the entire major leagues. But when you look at the wild card standings, because now it starts to get important. This is when, this is the time of year where you start looking at wild card standings because it's important, especially for somebody like the Atlanta Braves, who may or may not win their division. They're seven games back of the Mets. Can they catch them? And if not, you've got to start looking at the wild card spots. And so far, the Atlanta Braves are the first team in the wild card at four games ahead. Then it's the Phillies, and then it's the San Diego Padres. So this is when you start looking at these things, folks, because 
it gets really important. And you look at the American League, there is a lot of teams in contention. Remember the Boston Red Sox at 54 and 57? Yeah, they're only five games out of a wild card spot. So think about how crazy that is. You have the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Twins, the Guardians, the Orioles, the Rays, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays, who are all within five games or less of that wild card spot. I mean, that's just unbelievable. The American League is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch in Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves, to look at them for just a second, they win last night against the Boston Red Sox in 11 innings. They win 9-7. to Game two is tonight in Boston uh, before they head to Miami to take on the Marlins for a four-game series, and then they come home and play the New York Mets and the Houston Astros. So some big games for your Atlanta Braves. Uh, They call up their... Their top prospect, Vaughn Grissom, who is playing uh, second base. He is coming up from the AA where he was hitting 363 in 22 AA games. So we'll see how he does tonight. He's making his debut for the Braves in Boston at Fenway Park. A couple of more headlines before we head to our first break here in hour number two. Uh, the Live Golf Tour and the PGA still going at it. And some of the Live Golf Tours actually sue the PGA because the FedEx Cup playoffs are, are upon us. And if you are into the PGA, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not into the PGA or not familiar with the FedEx Cup playoffs, basically all season long, uh, players depending on where they finish in tournaments, they get a certain amount of points per tournament and where they finish, and those points add up. And over and over the entire season, they add up, right? And so by the end of the season, um, the top however many players, I forget what the number is, but they go and play in this big tournament for a buttload of money, right? And some of the Live Golf players who were a part of the PGA – the PGA said, no, you can't play in this in our FedEx Cup playoffs. And the Live Golf Tour players, I, I don't remember how many of them it was, but they actually sued the PGA and they lost. The PGA said you can't play. And when they went to court, the court agreed with the PGA. And so those players are not able to to play in the in the uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs. And so I thought that was interesting, but that's just uh, again, that's just digging the knife a little deeper and really just creating a wider separation at this point between the Live Golf Tour and the PGA Tour. Look, all the big names are leaving the PGA, and there's nothing they can do about it because the Live Golf Tour is paying these guys hundreds of millions of dollars before they even swing the golf club. I mean, you look at a guy like Dustin Johnson. He, he made $100 million before he even swung the golf club for Live Golf. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take that. I don't care who I'm playing for. I don't care where the money's coming from. At this point, everybody else is doing it, so you may as well join them. And that's exactly what's happening with the Live Golf Tour, the PGA. They can't do anything about it. Well, that's all I got for making headlines here on Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Let's take our first break in this hour number two. What's on your mind? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Thoughts on Auburn football's practice? Anything going on in the sports world? Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line, 334-321-1390. Question of the day is this. 
Lots of talk about the wide receivers for Auburn football, right? Lots of talk early on in this fall practice, fall camp period, uh, as we are 24 days away from the season beginning. Lots of talk about the wide receivers, right? We talk about the question marks of, are they going to be better than last year? Are they going to be able to get open? Can they catch the football, right? Those are things that we are, I mean, those are things we're worried about in, in this upcoming season for Auburn in the wide receiver room. But question of the day is this. Right now, Auburn, in my opinion, doesn't have that go-to guy in the wide receiver room. Who is going to be that guy? Who is going to be the go-to wide receiver for Auburn this fall on the football field? That's the question of the day. 334-321-1390. Who is going to be that go-to guy or who should be that go-to guy for Auburn football this year? Who's going to be the alpha on the wide receiver uh in the wide receiver room, right? When the receivers come out and the defense says, oh crap, that guy's on the field. We got to go cover him. Or, oh man, we need to go double him. Who's going to be that guy? Or when Auburn when Auburn has that third and long, or even maybe that third and short, and they decide to throw the football. Now on third and short, if Auburn decides to throw the football more than they do handed to tank, we're going to have some issues. But on third and longs, when you need uh, when you need a catch to extend the drive, to extend, uh, to try to go down and win the game, right? Who is going to be that guy that Auburn goes to? Who do you throw the football to? Maybe, shoot, maybe it's John Samuel Shanker, the tight end. Maybe. I'm not sure. But in your opinion, who is that guy? In the wide receivers, who is that guy? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. I talked about it in hour number one. When you look up and down this roster in this wide receivers, there's some really, really good guys. And there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver room. Now, who's going to be the one to step up? Who's going to be the one to to say, okay, I'm taking over, I'm taking control, this is my position now. And we've seen some guys get a lot of praise so far through fall camp and through fall practice of or excuse me, from the coaches, uh, a lot of guys have gotten a lot of praise. And guys like uh, Javarius Johnson and Tarvaris, or excuse me, Traveris Dawson and Coy Moore, those guys. And the one that really sticks out to me is Camden Brown, right? 6'3", 202 pounds, the freshman from Monroe, Louisiana. That is a massive human being going out and catching, and catching passes and catching the football. He's fast, he's big, he's physical, but can he be that guy? And hearing what the coaches have to say, they think he can be. Now, obviously, he's not that yet. He's still a freshman. And, I mean, we're still going through fall practice and fall camp, so maybe not yet. He may not be that guy just yet, but they think he can be. And could you imagine what Camden Brown could do with the football in his hands? He's not going to be your uh, Jerry Judy type of player. He's not going to catch the ball and outrun everybody. That's not what this guy's going to do. But he's going he's gonna to out-physical you, and when he catches the football, he's going to gain some yards after the catch. He may drag somebody with him. Or you may throw a slant pass when you're standing on the 20 or the 15, and he may drag a couple dudes into the end zone with him. Or this could be the guy you throw a 50-50 ball up to down the sideline or in the corner on the post route or whatever it may be, Right? This could be that type of wide receiver, Camden Brown. And hearing him get so much praise so early in camp makes me feel good about him and this position group. Now, are they going to step up and make it happen? We're going to find out. 
But if you're looking for a guy to be the go-to, I think Camden Brown could be it because of his size. But I've picked the senior. Okay, I think Landon King could be really good also. 6'5", 220-pound sophomore. He's another one kind of like Camden Brown who can be that guy to go up and get it. But when you look for somebody with some seniority, I'm going Shredder Jackson, okay? 6'2", 202 pounds, the senior from Hoover. He's a senior. He's the oldest one in the room. And you're looking at this position. They're getting a lot of spotlight right now, and they're going to get a lot of spotlight in 24 days when the season starts. And as the season goes on and you get into tougher opponents, the wide receivers are going to get a lot of attention. Can they be better than last year? Can they get open? Can they catch the football? And can they get yards after the catch? That's going to be the questions asked about this wide receiver room. That's what they should all be asked about in every wide receiver room across the country, right? Those are the obvious questions. But for Auburn specifically, with the struggles we saw last year, can they be better this year? And I'm looking at a guy like Shedrick Jackson. Maybe not throughout the entire season because maybe one of the younger guys does end up being a superstar right maybe uh, you just never know who it could be there's some big time names but early on in the season I'm looking at a guy like Strider Jackson who's a senior in the room you look at a guy like him and you say okay it's time for you to step up and you want him to do that on his own as well it's time for him to say all right I'm going to be the leader on this position I'm going to be the leader of these guys below me and make everybody around me better and see if anybody can develop throughout the year. Let's see if we can get better as a unit as the year goes on. I'm going to use my seniority and lead these young guys to become great. That's what I want to see in this Auburn wide receiver group. And look, I'm not expecting them to be great in 24 days when Auburn opens up the season against Mercer. But when you need plays down the stretch against Penn State, and when you need plays down the stretch against LSU, and when you start going on the road at Georgia and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I want the wide receivers to not be something that we complain about. I want them to be something that we're proud of. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more coming up. With Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Phone lines are open 334 321 1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line 334 321 1390. Well, here in this segment, taking a break from football and want to talk about Auburn basketball because uh, the non-conference schedule for Auburn basketball is shaping out to be uh, really, really good. And Auburn's going to be playing some really tough teams uh, in the non-conference schedule. Going to be looking at their SEC opponents as well. Just kind of looking at the schedule because uh, we've seen Auburn play their three games against the Israel, um, uh, of course, the Israel national teams. They played in Jerusalem 
Jerusalem, uh, nor Tel Aviv, and then in Tel Aviv again. So playing over in Israel. And we saw Auburn play these games, and overall we were impressed, right? We were impressed by what we saw in the first two games where Auburn blew out uh, lesser opponents and lesser competition, right? Just lesser talent. That's just that's a fact. That's not a, a, a dig at any of them. That's just a fact, right? And then... Also, we saw Auburn against the Israel national team when they lose 95 to 86, and we saw the the talent level on this Auburn basketball team, and we saw what this team can become, and we also saw some fight out of this team, and I think that was a big time thing to see from Auburn basketball. You you go up against a team that. Look, I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. I didn't know what to expect from this Israel national team. I knew they were going to be good. I knew they had NBA-level talent, but I didn't know how good they were going to be. And let's be honest, they looked good, but they were just the best thing you've ever seen. right? Auburn played okay. They didn't play great either. But Auburn could have won this basketball game. They gave up way too many open shots. Uh, They forced turnovers but weren't really doing a whole lot with it. And Auburn, uh, again, just does not have that go-to shooter right now. But after these games, as we look ahead to this Auburn basketball season, and we still have some time, right? The the, The season doesn't start until November, but... Folks, that's not super far away. I mean, we're almost halfway through August. You have September, October, and then November. I mean, we are, and not even November. You start in the beginning of November. So you have September and October. I mean, you've got like two and a half months until basketball starts, which is crazy to think about. And I'm not wishing football season away at all. So please don't get me wrong on that. I am not wishing away football season. But I think we can all agree we're excited for basketball season too. And we're only two and a half months away, which when you put that into perspective, that's not super long. I mean, we are... We're counting down the days until football season. We should be counting down the days until basketball season too. And we're not going to have to wait super long for Auburn to play some big-time competition. You look up and down this non-conference schedule for Auburn basketball – You have an exhibition game, that's fine, but then you start with George Mason on November 7th. Then you welcome South Florida to Neville Arena. Remember when Auburn went down there last year and struggled on the road? Now they welcome USF to Neville Arena. And look, that's the second game of the year. Not that USF is a just a crazy good team or a huge threat to Auburn, but this is a game early on where you've got to be ready to play. You've got to show up and show out because you're at home. And last year you struggled on the road uh, at teams like this. So this is a game for Auburn. It's exciting. It's a big-name school, but it should be one that Auburn takes care of. Then you welcome in Winthrop to Neville Arena as the – uh, let's see, as the uh, just a, a November 15th game. And Winthrop is a team that's made the NCAA tournament multiple times. Rather, like They've made the tournament multiple, multiple times. They always have talent. They're really well coached. They play well together, always have as a basketball program. So that's another game. It's sneaky, right? Good thing is you're playing in November. So if you do happen to like slip up or something, I'm not saying Auburn will, but if you do happen to slip up here, it's not the end of the world. You play Texas Southern, then you play in the Cancun Challenge. You go down to Cancun and you play Bradley, and then you play the winner of Northwestern or Liberty. Uh, so that's exciting. You get, to, you get to play, again, another big name in college athletics in Northwestern or Liberty. Good chance for the team to go to Cancun, take a little uh, – 
you know, early season trip, early season tournament. I like when Auburn plays in those. You remember Auburn played in the Maui Invitational a couple of years ago with Jared Harper. He had a massive dunk on Xavier. That was super cool playing against Duke. I think Auburn could have won that game, but it's cool to see Auburn in these early season tournaments. They're exciting right there around Thanksgiving. I love college basketball right there around Thanksgiving. It's so much fun to watch. You mix that in with college football with all the rivalry games going on. It's one of the best times of the year for college athletics. Then you start looking at some big-time names on this non-conference schedule for Auburn. You play St. Louis in Neville Arena. We've seen Auburn play St. Louis before. Uh, Didn't they play them in Birmingham a couple of years ago? I I think, because I remember watching it, it was at the... uh, at the BJCC, I think it was St. Louis that they played. It was right around Christmas time, I think. I, it could be a different team, but I think it was St. Louis that Auburn played in Birmingham. And look, Auburn and St. Louis, they give each other a a, uh, a decent challenge, right? We've seen Auburn play teams like this and struggle at times. What a great chance for Auburn to play St. Louis in Neville Arena. And then, Holiday Hoops Giving, December 10th. Auburn plays Memphis in Atlanta at State Farm Arena. How big of a game is this? Memphis, look, we know as a basketball program, they, uh, I mean, they've got some serious talent, right? They have some unbelievable talent. They maybe are not as good as some people thought they would be at this point, but they've had some big-time recruits come in, and how big is it for Auburn to play Memphis in Atlanta, right? You get a a quote-unquote neutral site. It's kind of... I don't know. It's it's definitely close to Auburn and Atlanta. Same kind of thing with Memphis, I guess. I'm sure fans are going to travel from both. So what a neat experience this will be for Auburn to play Memphis in this non-conference schedule. You look at you play uh, Georgia State. Then two big-time games again. You go to USC out in L.A. You travel on December 18th, and you travel to Southern California, and then three days later, you're going up to Seattle, Washington, and you're playing the Huskies on the road. Two big, big games on the road, uh, non-conference for Auburn playing USC and Washington. Again, I I feel like a broken record here, but these are games in this non-conference schedule. The one that worries me the most is Memphis, probably, but playing teams like USC and Washington on the road late in December... Not that these two teams are just jumping up and down with talent and going to blow you out of the gym, but these are games you got to show up and you got to play. Because if you're Auburn, this is the time that I'm going to be looking for this team to to really start building and meshing together, right? This is going to be this is going to be the time for Auburn basketball this season in December, late December when they're playing these tough road games at USC and Washington. This is where I'm looking for the team to start hitting its stride a little bit. I think early on, sort of like we saw this past year, it's going to take this year's Auburn basketball team a little bit of time to get going because there is so much talent on this team, and we don't truly know how they're all going to play together just yet, and we don't know what the rotation's going to look like, who the starting five's going to be, who the guys coming off the bench are going to be, who the the go-to offensive players are, the defensive superstars. We don't know who all that's going to be yet. We can have an idea, right? We know that Yoan Treor is going to be probably the go-to guy on offense, but maybe not. Janai Broom's going to have his effect as well and his impact. Are the guards going to be better than they were last year? And I think throughout these couple of months in the beginning of Auburn basketball schedule, this is the time for them to get on the same page. And as a team, I've talked about this already, these first couple of months for Auburn basketball before SEC play gets started – 
this is where I'm looking for the growing pains to kind of work themselves out a little bit because this is a whole new team than last year, right? Besides the guards, this is a new team besides Dylan Cardwell. I get that, but there's a lot more new talent on this team, either freshman or transfer portal that Auburn's having to deal with. It's a good problem to have, right? Chance Westry, Trey Donaldson, uh, Janai Broom, Joan Treor. Those are good problems to have because those are such skilled guys. But it's going to take a little bit to get used to this. And it's going to take some games and some reps and some practice to get these guys playing on the highest level possible. And when you hit SEC play, you better be playing good basketball because the SEC has become one of the best conferences in the entire country. So that's what I'm looking for in these types of games at USC and at Washington for Auburn basketball. You've got to be playing together at this point. These will be some of your biggest tests of the year. No, the teens aren't going to be as good as some of the road games you play in the SEC, but late December, when you're trying to figure out who you are and what your rotation is and if these guys are really made for it, these are the types of games that are going to let you know. Playing at USC and then three days later playing at Washington, that's exciting. I think those are great opportunities for Auburn to travel across the country. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with playing in the different time zone, two or three hours behind, whatever it is out there. And you're playing in some, some big-time environments, right? Those crowds are going to be ready because Auburn's going to be ranked, and they're going to be ranked pretty high when they go and play these schools. The crowds are going to be ready. The student sections will be ready, everything like that. I'm looking for Auburn and how they respond and how they react to do they get down early on the road? Do they come out ready to play in the first four or eight minutes of the game? Do they get down early, and how do they respond to that? Do they blow a big lead on the road in the second half? Do they get down by big in the second half on the road? Can they close that? All of those things are things that we're looking for from Auburn in these non-conference games. And so I wanted to talk about this because it's exciting because we are only two and a half months away. And that's not very long. And as Auburn's non-conference schedule gets solidified, again, George Mason, Southern Florida, Winthrop, Texas Southern, Bradley, uh, Northwestern or Liberty as part of the Cancun Challenge, St. Louis, you play Memphis in Atlanta. That's a huge game that'll be have a lot of eyes on it over uh, the college football land or college basketball landscape. Excuse me, Georgia State, and then USC and Washington. Also in the Big 12 SEC Challenge in late January, you get to go to West Virginia. How awesome is that? You get to go and play in Morgantown and play West Virginia on the road for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Of course, we saw Auburn host Oklahoma this past year, but now Auburn gets a chance to go to a big-time Big 12 school and and play in a very, very uh, loud and uh, intimidating environment. At one of the uh, historic basketball programs across the country, you get to play at West Virginia. So, look, I think Auburn basketball, they did really, really well with their non-conference schedule. And it's something that Bruce has talked about, Bruce Pearl, that is, has talked about. You don't want to just play low-level talent in the offseason, or not the offseason, but the early non-conference season, because that doesn't do anything. It's the same thing with football. Right, You want to play these teams, but obviously not a ton of them. But with basketball, you want to play some and get your guys some wins, but you also want to play some talent so you know exactly where you stand. You want to play in these early season tournaments to find out where you stand and play some of these teams that you don't have the chance to play throughout the regular season. 
That's what's exciting, and especially during the conference season, I should say, because obviously once January hits, you're playing all SEC teams or whatever conference you're in, you're playing all your conference games. So it's exciting to see Auburn play these big-time teams like St. Louis, like Memphis, USC, Washington, and West Virginia. I'm excited to see what Auburn basketball becomes this year. Uh, Again, I will repeat this. I think Auburn will be better this year. Auburn basketball will be better this year than they were last year. I just think there's more talent top to bottom. And I think the talent on this team, they are going to play better together. They're going to mesh better than what we saw last year. Uh, it, 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 it hurts not having a Jabari Smith. But honestly, this may be a hot take. I think Auburn's better without a guy like Jabari Smith. And as much as I love him, He's a great player, and I'm so excited, and I'm so happy that he came to Auburn, and I'm excited to see what he does in the NBA. But somebody with that much talent, I don't know if Auburn is, is the best place for them because he is such a dominant offensive player, but yet Auburn didn't even use him. They didn't. Auburn did not use Jabari Smith how they should have. But even with somebody like him, it doesn't really work because Bruce doesn't run his offense like that. This year, you're going to see guys in the guards like Zeb Jasper, Wendell Green, KD Johnson, Chance Westry, those types of guys who are going to have an impact. Alan Flanagan, who have an impact on the guard side, plus the big guys with Dylan Cardwell, Yoad Treor, uh, Janai Broom. But they're all going to have their own sort of impact, but no one singular guy is going to be the it guy all season long. And I think that works better for Bruce Pearl. And I think that works better for how he runs his offense and how he runs his defense. Because, sure, Zeb Jasper is probably the best on-ball defender right now for Auburn, but I think everybody plays really solid defense for Auburn right now. And I think that's going to be the strength of this team. I'm excited to see what they do this upcoming year. And again, just wanted to run through that because it got solidified and I think we're looking at all of the non-conference opponents. Of course, the SEC opponents have been announced, but we don't know when and uh, what times those games are yet. Uh, Not too sure when that will be announced. But we do know what teams Auburn will be playing and where they'll be playing. We just don't know when that'll be. But excited for basketball. Not trying to wish football away by any means because we're 24 days from college football beginning for Auburn. But college basketball is right around the corner. It starts in November, which is not very long from now. Uh, I think school just got back in today, maybe tomorrow, uh, for a lot of people here in the state of Alabama. School's back in, football's around the corner, but college basketball, it's on the horizon as well. Let's take our final break here in hour number two. When we come back, we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Got just a couple of more minutes here before I get out of here, but it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you stay tuned uh, for that. They'll get you all caught up on... Uh, Auburn football fall practice and everything else going on in the sporting world so make sure you stay tuned Bill Cameron and Dan Peck with the drive from four to six right here on ESPN 1067 
If you missed any of today's show, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. Uh, I upload it commercial free, so make sure you go and find that. Again, just wherever you get your podcast or go to ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. It'll all be right there. My Today's show will be there and all of my previous shows will be there as well. Again, commercial free, so make sure you go and find that. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Well, wrapping up today's show and, you know, final, I guess, final take for today. Uh, look, it, it, it's talking about with Auburn practice, Auburn football right now, right? You're 24 days away from the season kicking off against Mercer. And we talked to Jordan Hill back in hour number one from Dogs 247, and I asked him the question about, Georgia starting out the season with Oregon versus Auburn starting out the season with two smaller opponents uh, in a team like Alabama who starts the year with a smaller opponent and then they travel to Texas, right? And I asked him just the, the, I guess the pros and cons of that type of opening, whether it was the way Georgia's doing it, the way Alabama does it, the way Auburn's doing it, whatever. And it, it differs every year, right? But he talked about it and it's something I've talked about as well, how um, Georgia starting out with a big-time opponent in week one, I think it's better overall, and I agree. I, re- I really do, and what's unfortunate is we're 24 days away from the season for Auburn, and we're excited for the season to start, but yet we're not excited for who Auburn's playing, right? Auburn's supposed to, to beat Mercer, and they're supposed to beat those types of teams that they're opening up with, but we have to wait on the first big game until week three of the season where somebody like Georgia, they open up with Oregon, right? And we've seen Auburn do that in the past. They've opened up with Oregon. They open up with Washington, you know, playing in Atlanta. And we just, that gives us more to be excited about. That gives us more to look forward to, to the season. And overall, I think it benefits the team more too, because you practice harder, you get ready for the season harder because of a bigger opponent, and you know exactly where you stand after week one, rather than waiting until week three, where you think, oh, we're fine, we're 2-0, and we're totally fine, and then you play somebody like Penn State, and they expose you a little bit, right? I don't want that. I don't like it to be that way. I've been saying this for years. I think Auburn and every other team around the Power Five should get rid of one of the three cupcake games and replace it with either another SEC opponent or replace it with a big-time non-conference opponent rather than paying a school a million or two million dollars to come and lose on Saturday. I know the benefit of it, and I know why they do it, and I'm happy that those schools get that money to come and do that. But give us another big-time game. Right, And I don't want it to be every year where you start out with one or two uh, crappy games before the season starts. Right, I just want, I want Auburn and other schools to play big-time games and play better games more often. And so for this upcoming year, sure, we're excited, 24 days away. That's exciting, but the first big game's not till the third week. There's good things and bad things about it. Auburn, you're going to get a couple of wins to start the year. But you're not going to know where you stand until about week three when you play Penn State. We've got a whole lot more to learn about between now and then on what Auburn's got to do on the football field. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.